have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 1, and then in the book of Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, they'll have it on the screen for you. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, after he had thought about it, the Lord spoke to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. But Mary treasured all these things, verse 19, and pondered them in her heart. Today I want to preach to you for a few moments the second message in the series Home for Christmas that I've been preaching. Today we're going to talk about treating every day like Christmas. Treat every day like Christmas, if you will. Pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing in this place. Thank you for the worship we've experienced. Thank you for what you've already done in these altars today, Lord. God, I believe that anxiety and depression and fear have been cast out today. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And God, today I pray for the next few moments you'd remove every hindrance, Lord, that would hinder us from hearing and receiving your word. Anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're speaking to us today. And more than anything, God... We ask that you would allow us to leave this place differently than we came because we have been in your presence and been changed by your word. So anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive. Anoint my lips to deliver your word with the demonstration and the power of your spirit. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. In case you're unfamiliar with the Christmas movie, Elf, and I think most everybody loves that that movie, but... Uh, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with it, I'm going to explain a little bit about it to you. But I think it would be really cool if next Sunday we had a live Buddy the Elf. What do y'all think about that? Would that be really cool? All right. So uh, consider it a done deal. We'll make sure the leotard's appropriate. Amen. And uh, we'll get Buddy the Elf here uh, next Sunday. And uh, we'll also have, I forgot to announce this in the 845 service, Angie's worked up a little... Uh, picture-taking thing we're going to do in front of the backdrop wall out there next Sunday uh, after this series that you can hashtag at home for Christmas, invite somebody to come with you uh, next week, because next week we're going to be talking about there's room for everybody on the nice list. So if you know somebody who needs Jesus, get them here next week. But in case you're unfamiliar with the Christmas movie, let me tell you very briefly a little bit about Buddy's story. Buddy was an unwanted infant, and he was left in an orphanage. And on Christmas Eve night, Santa shows up to deliver presents in the orphanage. And unnoticed by Santa, Buddy climbs out of his crib and into Santa's gift bag. And he ends up going home with Santa to the North Pole. When he's discovered by the elves, they name him Buddy. Because they mistake the brand name on his diaper to be his personal name. And Buddy is then raised by the elves. 
He's totally oblivious to the fact, even though he is vastly larger than anybody else there, he's totally oblivious to the fact that he's actually human uh, until he fails miserably at every single task in Santa's workshop and then he realizes there's something different about me. So finally, Santa informs Buddy that he actually has a father in New York City and thus the adventure begins. And still operating from the perspective of an elf, this movie chronicles Buddy's journey as he travels home. Thus the name for our series, Home for Christmas, to New York City where he ultimately ends up saving Christmas by continuing to live his life in the big city according to the principles that he learned at the North Pole from the Code of the Elves. And we're focusing on the Elf Code so that we can learn how that we should live and so that we, along with others, can get home for Christmas. When they mention the Code of the Elves, there's no mention that order matters. So is there anybody else in the house this morning besides me that might be a little OCD and you're not afraid to admit it? Anybody? All right, so for those people that raise their hands, somebody next to them, tell them we're going to change the order up. So ask them, tell them, say, don't get your curly-toed elf shoes bent out of shape. We're going to switch it up just a little bit this morning. I do realize it's 11.59. I have a word from the Lord, and I'm going to try to be quick and get it to you today. We're going to talk about treating every day like Christmas. Now, in the real Christmas story, there are several players, several characters that are on the stage. You're going to see some of them tonight in the children's musical. Some of them are very familiar, and some of them are more central to the story. But however, in every case, each individual had to make a choice. We're going to talk about choices today. Had to make a choice about how they would approach and how they would treat Christmas. And some chose not to see Christmas as this glorious, joyous celebration, as many of us do. Uh, think about Herod. Herod did not choose to really celebrate the gloriousness of Christmas. Instead, he chose to kill dreams around Christmas. It was his order that every child under the age of two would be killed and slaughtered because he was trying to find the Christ child. So Herod chose to kill dreams around Christmas. Think about the innkeeper. The innkeeper chose to overlook the incredible miracle of Christmas. Listen, I wonder how many times in our lives because of our busyness and everything else that's going on, we overlook divine appointments and divine opportunities to experience a miracle. I wonder how many times we're too busy going on about our daily life and our daily duties. I'm sure that innkeeper that night when they showed up at the inn, he had no idea that there was going to be right there the Savior of the world born. If, they, if he would have known that, I promise you, he would have made room for them in the inn. But he was busy. It was tax season. The inn was full. Everything was going on. So they come to him. He's too busy. So the innkeeper overlooks divine opportunity and divine appointment to experience the incredible miracle of Christmas. So we certainly don't want to go about, approach, and treat Christmas like those two guys did. And the truth is that each and every single one of us in this room today are faced with the same choices that they had on the day that Jesus arrives. And whether the admonition to treat every day like Christmas is good or bad, that's simply determined by which choice you make. See, the difference is often that we choose to view Christmas different than any normal day, than our normal day. But my question to you this morning is, what if we chose to make normal days just as special and just as significant as Christmas? 
So let's ask this question today. How do we treat Christmas? How do I treat Christmas? And since we could all land on different traditions, different practices, and ideas on how we treat Christmas, I thought it would be wise for us to go back and review and look and see if perhaps the shepherds, whom we talked about last week, or Mary... Or Joseph could teach us some simple ways that we could learn to treat every day like Christmas. But I want to caution you that although they sound simple in concept, as we go through them, they are harder to accomplish than we may think. But I want to go back and revisit our main text this morning. If they'll put it on the screen, this time I'm going to read through it rather quickly. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, after he thought about it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is considered Conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Luke 2 and 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem, and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Dropping down to verse 19, but Mary treasured, say treasure, treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. How did these individuals treat Christmas? Can I tell you, first of all, they, they were focused on what mattered. I said they were focused on what mattered. The shepherds teach us the first way to treat Christmas. We find that they drop everything and they go looking for Jesus. In essence, they walked out of work. Think about that. The Bible said, and lo, the shepherds were abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And boom, suddenly, they were at work. They were in the middle of a work shift. Right in the middle of the work shift, they exited. They left behind the important to focus on the most important. Now, I know we all have to work. I get that. I believe we all should work. I get that. But let me tell you something. Work should not be the most important thing in our lives. Can I hear an amen? They exited what was important for something that was more important. They interrupted their normal activities to think about God. They refused to allow the demands of daily life or their daily duties to cause them to miss the miracle. So many times we even come into this place with the demands of daily our daily lives on us to the point that sometimes I believe we even come in thinking, all right, we're going to come worship and as soon as it's over we got to go. Boom, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. And that's what's on our mind when we came in to start with. But I wonder what our worship service would look like if every single time we came in we focused on the baby who was in the manger because I came to tell you this morning if it had not been for the baby in the manger there would have never been a Jesus on a cross and if there had not been a Jesus on the cross who rose out of the tomb there would have never been forgiveness for our sins but thanks be to God he chose to come to this earth in the form of a man as a baby born in a manger so that you and I could have eternal life. That's the miracle of Christmas. 
Given the opportunity, these shepherds left behind the ordinary to experience the extraordinary. They invest time that could have been used to make a living. But instead they used it to find a life. They ran from ritual to find relationship. Maybe if we treat every day like Christmas, we would focus more on the things that deserve our attention. And we would refuse to be distracted by the things that don't really matter. Because many times I think if we would come together and not worry about our personal preferences. Can I, can I get a witness out there somewhere? If the church could, could come together and not worry about their personal preferences. Because I realize some like this style, some like that style. Some like the preacher to wear a tie. Some like the preacher to wear t-shirts and blue jeans. Some like lights and smoke. And some like singing off the wall. And some like singing out of the book. But I, can I tell you, this worship service is not about you. Well, I got about five amens. This worship service is not about me. But I wonder if we came together and we put all the different personal preferences aside and we all focused on what really matters, and that is the baby in the manger, the Jesus on the cross, the Lord who rose from the tomb. I wonder what would happen if we put all of those things aside and said, Jesus, we've come to worship you. I'll tell you what would happen. We'd see miracles over and over and over again. Maybe the things that seem to press us for time or stretch us to our limits. Anybody feel pressed for time? Stretched to the limit. Could be placed in proper perspective and then we could really find peace. It would do many of us good to be able to differentiate between the good things and the God things. I talked about this at staff retreat with our staff a couple years ago. I mentioned it again in my class this past Wednesday night. It would do good for us to differentiate between the good things and the God things. There are many good things that you can fill your time with. But if it's not a God thing, it's a distraction from what you could be doing for the kingdom. Hello, somebody. If it's not a God thing, and here's the other kicker. There may be something that's a God thing for you. But that doesn't mean it's a God thing for me. There may be some things that God is calling you to do that he's not calling me to do. Because there's a lot of things that he's called me to do that he's not calling you to do. We all have our God things. But we need to learn to differentiate between the good things and the God things in our daily lives. Let me share with you some statistics really quick about church attendance amongst the current generations. Uh, millennials, that's those who were born, millennials or Generation Y, those that were born between 1981 and 1996. Let me see your hands. Born between 1981 and 19, don't be ashamed, I ain't going to call you up here or nothing. 19, I see those hands. 1981 to 1996. Listen, 50% of millennials who were born with a religious affiliation tend to unplug and leave their church completely. 59%. 40% of Christian elders see church attendance as important, while only 2 out of 10 millennials consider church attendance as important. Now listen at this. 35% of millennials think that the church actually does more harm than good. Wow. Only 2 out of 10 think church attendance is important. I want to tell you something this morning. We have a harvest outside of these walls. I said we have a harvest outside of these walls. 
And we need to learn to treat every day like Christmas so that we can bring them in. Generation Z, if you were born between 1990 and 2010, let me see your hands. Generation Z, that's our young whippersnappers out there this morning. I only have a couple things to say about them, but most Gen Z Americans tend to skip attending church activities regularly. 45% of Generation Z say they rarely or never attend church. Less than half. Let me see those Gen Z hands again all over the room. Look at that. Imagine if that number was doubled in here this morning. Less than half say they rarely or never attend church. Listen at this. Only 24% of white American Generation Z attend church services on a weekly basis. One out of four. Imagine if there were four times those, those that raised their hands here this morning. Next is Generation X. That's where I fall in. Born from 1965 to 1980. Let me see your hands. Anybody out there? 1965 to 1980. Listen at this. Only 54%. That's basically half. Only 54% of Generation X report having a church affiliation anywhere... And only around 45% report attending church on a somewhat regular but not necessarily weekly basis. Are you with me this morning? Only 54% of Generation X report having a church affiliation anywhere. Uh, where's my outreach team this morning? I see Dennis and, and Michaela. Is she here somewhere? I thought I saw her hand. Michaela, and then there's, I see her hand. And then there's uh, Adrian. She's over here. Listen, let me. Let me preach to y'all for just a moment. And anybody else that wants to get on board the outreach team and do outreach with them. When we planted our church initially in 2013. And we secured a location to have services on American Greeting Road in the spring of 2014. Under my direction, our outreach team went out into the community in which we were placed. First of all, listen to me. That is the church's first and foremost responsibility is the community in which God has placed you. Can I hear an amen? So we went out in that community and on a Saturday it took us four hours from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We never left American Greening Card Road. We never even got half of the road covered but it took four hours and we knocked on the doors of over 400 homes and much to the surprise of those who went with us we tallied up and realized because here's what I told them. Uh, when we go out into this community. I don't believe in proselyting people from other churches. American Greeting Card Road had nine churches on that road. So I said, if they tell you that they have a church affiliation somewhere, even if you don't know what the church is, smile, tell them that's wonderful, encourage them. And, and if, if they ask more questions, then answer them. But don't, don't tell them you need to come to our church if they've got a church affiliation. But when you get somebody that does not have a church affiliation, this is why it took four hours, you invite them to church. You take time to minister to them if they allow that and you you share the gospel with them if they allow that with you if not just love on them and invite them to church four hours on a Saturday morning knocked on over 400 doors and only barely over 100 homes told us they had a church affiliation anywhere listen I came to tell us something this morning this is not a social gathering this is not a country club we are part of the kingdom of God and we are commissioned to go out into the highways and the hedges and to compel them to come in. 
I got about three or four people helping me preach, 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 whatever, preach. Thank you. I got about three or four people. The rest of you are Presbyterian. Amen. If you're really Presbyterian, I really don't mean anything by that. But anyway, last generation, baby boomers. How many born between 1946 and 1964? Let me see your hand. Look at that. See, I love the fact that I did this in both services and there was a good representation of every age demographic in the service. I love that. Baby boomers born 1946 to 1964. Listen to this. Since 1991, church attendance among baby boomers has declined to only 38%. Now think about that. These are the people we typically consider the pillars of our church. Declined to only 38% of baby boomers attend church. The number of baby boomers without any church affiliation has increased since 1991 by 41%. Can I say it again? There's a harvest outside of these walls. God did not place us in the heart of downtown Corbin on 17th Street so that we could fill this sanctuary a couple times for worship services on the weekends and get the attitude of our four and no more. God placed us here and he gave us a heart for this community and what God wants us to do is to come in here every Sunday with the same passion that we would on Christmas and to worship him and to lift him up but when we go out for us to go out with the same compassion and the passion that we have at Christmas and compel them to come in there are typically two times a year that Americans who consider themselves Christians attend church everybody knows when they are right Christmas and Easter. See, those are the CEOs of the church world, in case you didn't know. They're the CEOs, Christmas and Easter onlys. You're welcome. (laughs) They're not here yet. Some of them will be here tonight to hear the children's musical, and that'll be their Christmas service. Some of them may come next Sunday night to our Christmas banquet, and I hope they do. And that'll be their Christmas thing they do for the Christmas season. And then the rest of them will be here on one of the services probably December the 19th for the Christmas worship experience and then we probably won't see many of them again until Easter faith family I want to tell you something if we want to reach them if we want to reach them we have to learn to treat every day like Christmas what do you mean pastor see the challenge is that when the season ends can we remain focused on what matters can can we not miss the moments and the miracles by being so consumed by shallow, temporary, time-consuming things that, that cause our attention to be strewed or misconstrued. But let's vow to treat every single day like Christmas and focus on what matters. Another thing we read in this passage tells us that they were filled with awe. Say awe. Every time we think about Jesus, we should be filled with the awe of Christmas. Mary teaches us the second lesson on how we treat Christmas. One version says Mary kept these things and pondered them. Maybe the better translation is Mary treasured these things in her heart. That's the translation I read to you. In other words, she didn't take these things for granted. She valued them. She took note. I believe another way to say this was that she was filled with awe. She was amazed. She was startled. Awe is defined as a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. Let me read that again. Awe is a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear 
or wonder. Can I tell you, that's where the word awesome comes from, for us to say that something is awesome. Can I tell you, when we think about Jesus, we should be filled with a reverential respect that also includes fear and wonder. Are you with me? We should also include fear and wonder in our reverential respect. See, we live in a society today that they don't fear anything, including God. But I want to tell you, we, if we are filled with the awe of Christmas, we should have a reverential respect that He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we ought to be filled with awe and wonder and, and fear even when we're in His presence. So for some of y'all that get scared a little bit when it gets Pentecostal around here, that's alright. The fear's okay. When the presence of God is moving, sometimes you're feel, filled with a little bit of awe and wonder. Do you remember what it feels like or what it felt like on Christmas when you were a child? To walk into that room on Christmas morning with all those presents under the tree. Anybody remember that childlike feeling that you had about all those presents that were under the tree? The air was thick with excitement. There was just something just worked up all inside of you. But let me ask you something else. Hmm. Do you know what it feels like to walk into His presence? Do you know what it feels like? I'm not talking about... Presence with the T. I'm talking about P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E, the presence of the Lord. Do you know what it feels like to walk into His presence? Do you know why many folks don't want to attend church anymore? Do you, do you want to know why some of those statistics I read to you are true? It's because our churches are filled with programs. Our churches are filled with entertainment. Hello, somebody. Don't get upset at me. I'm just going to preach to you a little word this morning. But I, I, I'm here today to present to you that if our churches were filled more with presence than performance, if they were filled more with encounter than entertainment, if they were filled with the awe and the wonder of the presence of God, you wouldn't be able to fit everybody in this room. They'd come from the north, the south, the east, and the west because there's something about being in the presence of God. Do you remember what it felt like the first time you met him? The first time you accepted the Lord? The first time you experienced salvation, redemption, deliverance, maybe when He filled you with His Holy Spirit, maybe if we treated every day like Christmas, we would discover the anticipation, the expectation that we lost so long ago. Maybe moments in His presence could no longer be slept through, dismissed, ignored, or discarded. Maybe we'd become so filled with awe that even the smallest glimpses of the Lord's presence amongst us is noticed. And as Mary did, it's pondered and it's treasured in her heart. The challenge is, do we treat the same Savior that is approached on Christmas with awe every time? Or do we treat Him as familiar any other day of the year? I, I tell you this morning, we must treat Him like a treasure every single day. And the third and final point I want to share with you this morning is perhaps one of the greatest challenges to treating every day like Christmas. And it's the lesson that Joseph teaches us. See, Joseph finds out this woman that he's about to marry is pregnant and the baby isn't his. Look at your neighbor and say, whoa, that's a big deal. See, Joseph's reputation is also on the line. And in his culture, in Joseph's culture, he has the legal right to not only divorce Mary before they ever get married, but also to have her drug into the street and stoned to death. 
But instead, he hears from God and he treats her better than the standard of the world said that she deserved. Or the standard of the law said that she deserved. He teaches us a practice that some of us are good at on Christmas. He teaches us to treat people better than they deserve. Now, come on now. I know some of y'all in your Christmas family get-togethers are an exercise in grace. Can I get a witness? Right? There are moments when you've got to bite your tongue. Hold your peace. As my mama used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Maybe the best way to treat every day like Christmas is to take a pass. Show some mercy and grace. Maybe the best way to treat every day like Christmas is to refuse to strike even when you're justified. To decline, to destroy, to reject retaliation, and to abstain from attack. Even, if you, even though you may feel like you have the right. Even though your rightness is undeniable. Even though somebody else may be rooting you on. Or they may be dreaming of revenge on your behalf. Maybe we should treat every day like Christmas. They can go ahead and come to the music this morning. Here's one of the problems I have. In the church world today. I'm just going to be on. I'm going to shoot straight with you. I have a problem with people who think they're holy. And they have it all figured out. I do. Because I don't have it all figured out. I make mistakes. Cut me off in traffic. I'll tell on myself. We all do. Wouldn't it be a different world to live in if we all showed the same grace and mercy to others that Jesus showed to us? Wouldn't it be a different world to live in? Maybe treating every day like Christmas is that even in the summer, when you encounter somebody who deserves to be struck down, you just walk away instead. Maybe in the spring, when somebody puts your peace at risk, they mar your reputation. I've had that happen. They cause you pain. Rather than striking, what if you take up a towel and serve them? What if you serve them instead? Rather than cutting them down to size, maybe you cut them some slack. See, the truth is that Jesus was very clear that his arrival could not only impact our interaction with God, but it also with our interaction with people around us. What if we choose to treat every day like Christmas? How would that affect our focus? How would that affect our worship and our walk? How would that affect our interaction with others? See, I said everything I've said this morning to say this. The reality is our life is about choices. That's what I'm talking about today. Choosing to treat every day like Christmas. The best choice you will ever make in your life is Jesus. Can I get a witness in this house? But here's the thing. You have to choose Him. You have to choose Him. Nobody else can choose Him for you. You have to choose Him yourself. But you know what else? You have to choose Him every day. I want to close with this passage of Scripture. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Joshua was writing and he said, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, your ancestors, served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve 
the Lord. If we say we're going to treat every day like Christmas, then every day, say every day, every day, every day, we have to make a conscious choice to choose Jesus in the good times and in the bad. In the bad, we have a choice to make. I have a pastor friend in this town. We've been friends for many years, long before either one of us pastored. Actually, today, they're having their first service where they relocated their church into our previous facility. And for those that don't know the story, it's Pastor Ronnie Smith, but don't, maybe you don't know this story. As I prepared this message, actually last week, had it for the most part done before last Sunday got here. This week, the Lord allowed me to see something that was an obvious choice that just got me in my gut. Pastor Ronnie lost his dad a few weeks ago, Bishop Ronald Smith, who was a Church of God minister, actually, for 40 plus, maybe 50 plus years. And eight days after they buried his father, his 20-year-old son was taken out of this world by a drunk driver. Eight days after he buried his father. Today's his first day back in the pulpit since that happened. And I texted him this morning very early at 6 a.m. and told him I was praying for him today. Praying for an outpouring, but also I had to tell him, I said, brother, I want to tell you something. God used you this week speak something to me and I'm going to use the story if you don't mind to share it with my people today eight days after burying his father his 20 year old son was taken out of this world by a drunk driver the night of that accident Ronnie gave that family his business card which had his personal cell phone number on it and this week Ronnie shared this on Facebook he said I was having a really rough day naturally so God laid something on my heart. I'd like to introduce you to Kristen and Christian. And he posted a picture of their FaceTime. He said, Christian is the young man that was driving when my son and his friend were both killed. He's a 21-year-old kid facing 40 years to life in prison with a couple of kids and one on the way. His father is actually, Christian's father is actually in jail with him. He contacted me. I answered the call. He asked me to forgive him several times. He said he'd laid in bed at night wondering why God allowed him to live. He said I shared with him the plan of salvation. And how God had a purpose for his life. And that God had spared him for a reason. Somehow I was able to lead him in prayer. The last thing he asked me was for us to send him a Bible. I told him that I'm praying for him and that I loved him. He said, you see, life is about choices. It would have been a whole lot easier to have hated this young man. It would have been a lot easier to let him fuel my pain. But I actually have compassion for him. And I'm asking you, his Facebook friends, to join me in prayer for him and his family. He said, hashtag, go get one more. And I sat there and I read that. 
And I thought, God, that's the ultimate grace and mercy. When you can lead somebody else, who I cannot even imagine, who took your own child's life prematurely, and you can have enough compassion to lead them to the foot of the cross. That's why the baby came to the manger. Life's about choices. If you'll stand with me all over this room today, they're about to sing. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that not only do some people in this room today need to choose Jesus. There are others in this room that you need to choose Jesus through the pain of your circumstances. Do you hear me? You need to choose Jesus through the grief of your current situation. Please don't move around unless you're coming to the altar. You need to choose Jesus through the heartache of your present struggle. But whatever you do, you need to choose Jesus. But in order to choose Jesus, you're going to have to let go of some circumstances. You're going to have to let go of some situations. You're going to have to let go of the struggle. You're going to have to let go and make a choice and say, God, I choose this day. This day. I'm going to treat today like it's Christmas, but God, when I get up tomorrow, the circumstance and the situation may not be any different, but God, I'm going to choose again tomorrow. See, the same baby that the shepherds came to in the manger is the same Jesus that died on that cross. Not only for our salvation, but also so that we could walk in freedom. Freedom from anxiety. Freedom from depression. Freedom from our grief. Freedom from our situation. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. As they begin to sing, this altar is open. So I'm asking you to do like the shepherds and the wise men today. Let's come and let's just kneel before him. And let's signify, God, we're choosing you. Even in this situation today, even in this circumstance, we're choosing you today because I promise you, I promise you when you choose him, you'll feel his presence. You'll sense his presence like never before.